If I get somebody really focused on trying to live the life for their dreams, they can't do that without bettering themselves. If I can have somebody who's on fire for a certain period of time while they're working here, I'm gonna be lucky to have them for that period. We get people to create their dreams list. We get them in a certain place of mind, operating from abundance and anything is possible. I'm taking them through different categories and most people will finish with about 100 to 200 dreams on their list. Then we do sharing, which is really cool. The third of three sections of this, they'll actually look at their list and they'll identify in the next year, what are the six to 10 dreams that they're able to try and go after. What I have found that the dreams thing has done is taken this conversation about personal growth and it's given it a destination. I feel like this has gotten a lot of traction because it's elevated the conversation of personal growth to have a little bit more purpose and meaning behind it. Let's talk about this kick butt list of things that would probably light up your life if you got to do these. The road to that is only going to go through personal growth. If you believe that people work to live and not the other way around, then as a leader, you should be helping people with their lives, not just their jobs. For several years, Dane Espigard has been conducting a dreams exercise with the people in his organization. He is helping others to live the lives of their dreams, both in and out of Cutco Vector. Dane walks his talk as a top achiever and tremendous role model in business and in life. In this conversation, you'll hear how Dane navigated the challenges of 2020 in his number one office and top performing division. You'll learn about how Dane implements the dreams concept, and you'll get an insight into his vision for the future. In the galaxy of Cutco Vector superstars, no one shines more brightly than Dane Espigard, leader of the aptly named North Star Division. Welcome to Changing Lives, Selling Knives. I'm your host, Dan Cassetta. There's a generation of entrepreneurs and business leaders out there right now who are positively impacting the world using lessons and skills that they first learned from selling Cutco knives with Vector Marketing Corporation. This podcast was created to share inspiring stories from Cutco's most prominent alumni and current leaders. On this show, you'll meet successful entrepreneurs, best-selling authors, superstar business executives, and transformational leaders from many walks of life. All our guests will have two things in common. One, they're all changing lives today through their work and their influence. And two, they all started out selling Cutco knives when they were younger. The lessons of the Cutco Vector experience are numerous, are compelling, and are real-world concepts for business and life. Through hearing real-life stories and hands-on experiences, you'll gain insights that can help you in whatever it is that you do in life. Thanks for pressing play. Let's get on with today's episode. Welcome, everybody. I'm here with Dane Espigard today, who has been in the Cutco Vector business since 2002. He is the North Star Division Manager. Dane was the feature guest in episode 35 of the podcast. If you want to hear more about his story in the Cutco Vector business, check out that episode for sure. Dane is back today because he has truly had an amazing year in 2020. His office is number one in the company. We'll finish over $3.5 million in sales, over a $1 million in new business for the year. His division 
is sitting around number three in the company, is going to finish over $7 million in sales. And Dane has just achieved his $50 million sales milestone in Cutco Vector. And so Dane Espigard, thanks so much for being back on the podcast. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. Great. Well, I want to talk a lot about uh, what has evolved here during this crazy year of 2020. Uh, among the management team of Cutco Vector, I think it's safe to say that no one has shown up better or stronger than you during this year. And I wanted to dig into and find out what was your mindset when the pandemic began in earnest back uh, earlier in the year? Yeah, great question. It, and I think it's somewhat at this point, uh, knowing how it's turned out for us, especially in Vector, it's fun to look back and you know, kind of remember what we went through. But I, I remember when when things started, uh, we were on the trip, we got back from the trip, things started to kind of become a little more real of, oh, wow, this is really not just going to be here, but it's going to totally change everything. Mm. And I, you know, completely panicked, I think, like everybody else. And I, at that point, we were coming off of phenomenal, our best ever January, uh, December, January, February. And so we were very poised for a breakout year. And, and especially summer, we had uh, people in place that I was so excited about our best new manager class. Uh, our CSP team was just cranking with shows. And, you know, so I was excited. Second summer with the same pilot. Like there was a lot of things in place that I'm like, this is it. This is the year and all systems go. And then that happened. And, and it was an oh crap moment of, you know, there's so much unknown. And I think that was the, the thing that caused the most stress of just, well, well, what now? And it was, it wasn't just that we need to shift this or shift this, but it was, you know, literally everything that we do needs to be reevaluated to say, how are we going to do things? And not just how we're going to do things, but there was so much guesswork, right? Uh, well, how long is it going to last? And so the decisions that we need to make, are they for a month? Are we just kind of putting a Band-Aid on something? Is it a whole scale change? Is it... Where do we even begin? And uh, nobody had answers, right? And I think that was, that was probably the part that where I experienced the most panic was, was yeah. you know, that. Yeah. It's interesting to hear that you panicked because I think most people who know you and who have seen how you've operated this year, just looking from the outside in, have seen this incredible success that has happened and the quick adaptation and just all the things you did really well. But I do think it's helpful for everyone to hear that uh, even you struggled with this at the outset. I can remember many years ago studying Tony Robbins, and he described that one of the things that humans crave most is a feeling of certainty and sort of like, you know, knowing what's going to happen in any situation or being able to at least sort of see the path to get to where they want to go. And I can certainly relate to everything you just shared in that there was a huge amount of uncertainty when this all started. How long is it going to take? How much are we going to have to change? Is it a temporary change? Mm -hmm. Is it a long-term change? I've admitted very publicly to have gotten pretty much everything wrong as it <laughs> pertains to coronavirus all along. And I think part of that is I'm so optimistic. I kind of thought, yeah. well, we'll get through this a lot quicker than what most people thought. Um, but there was a great deal of uncertainty and not knowing what will happen. And, and I give a ton of credit to the division manager team, people like yourself, 
that were actively involved in making the changes, making the pivots, evolving our programs so quickly in such a short amount of time in March and April. I'd love to hear just about the process uh, for you of making pivots and changes and how you applied the new innovations throughout your division. Yeah. So I think, you know, once, once the, uh, the panic, you know, I kind of had to address the panic and allow that to, to run its course. And I wasn't able to stay in that situation long because there were so many pressing decisions, right? And there were so many people in our organizations that counted on us to, okay, what now? What are we doing? And uh, I just knew that I needed to show up a certain way quickly or, or I was going to lose people. And I knew that you know, we were in a really, you know, March is a really interesting time in our business, right? Where our, our summer starts not until May typically. And we're still at the doorstep of where people can make decisions to, you know, they can do this at any time. But I feel like that can be a moment where there's the oh crap moment. I don't, I don't know if I want to do this this summer. And so I knew that I needed to show up with a lot of strength and certainty, at least in what was the summer going to be like. And so, I was able to, you know, also through conversations with Mike, Mike Muriel was great during this in terms of being a great sounding board, sharing his opinions and, and stating them as opinions, right? Because nobody knew of what was going to happen. And I remember being able to wrap my head around quickly that, you know what, this is going to be phenomenal for recruiting. And so that was kind of the first thing that I was able to attach to to say, you know, what, we are a recruiting business. And you know, I've been here long enough to know that during recessions and some in tough economic times that that those are positive for for our business model in terms of what what can happen with recruiting. So I was very sold on, you know, as long as we figure out how to interview and train and do those things, and if we can stay nimble and figure out programs that way, the uh, environment that we're going to be operating in it should be the best one that we've had in about a decade. In terms of being able to, you know, capture more recruits for the summer, and so once I was able to get my head around that, you know, if you look at statistically at our history's PPR productivity, it doesn't change a whole lot, right? And so great times, not so great times, and so I couldn't necessarily. I could make a case for it if somebody said, "Could you argue for me the point of why productivity will go up?" I I could argue that for you. I could also have argued the point of why it would go down. And so I was pretty open with my my team of, you know, hey, we're a recruiting business. And even if our productivity dipped, right, a little bit, I don't see how we're not gaining massively with productivity. If we can transition our job to being online, fully online, who are we competing with? Right? Like what other student jobs are there? And so I was able to, you know, kind of put a flag in that and have that be our rally cry. And uh, then I showed up. We had we had a, a leadership academy pretty quickly after, and I was able to to really show up with data. I, I quickly did some research to find out, hey, you know, what did we do pre two thousand seven, two thousand eight, two thousand nine? And I showed unemployment. I, I created a graph that showed national unemployment and Cutco's recruiting and Cutco sales during a you know, 15 year stretch. And it was, it was, you know, actual data. So it was very easy for me at a leadership academy. And I did this to the DM. I, I did it probably eight times over the course of three weeks where I was trumpeting this. Look at this. This is what we're about to experience with an amplifier that we don't even know. The virtual aspect, there's no way for us to be able to, to know at what degree. But we do know that this is going to impact unemployment. Let me show you what happens when unemployment goes up. 
within Cutco, right? And and it, I, I think that was really helpful for my managers to say, okay, I'm just going to trust that we're going to be okay and we're going to figure things out. And uh, and then I also the, the other thing along with this that I kept repeating to our managers is that like we're going to figure it out. We have to be nimble, right? We have to understand that we're going to be learning as we go and we're going to make mistakes. But let's talk about how we test things and then we ha- how we have conversations about it. And so there was a lot within our division of, okay, hey, this week here's what we're here's what we're trying, and uh, and then we talk about it afterward. And w- you know what a side effect of this was, I mean, we had the, the, the highest level of engagement we've ever had, mm-hmm. right? In terms of our manner. Nope. You can't go through the motions when all these things are changing. And so that was something that was a, maybe an unforeseen, right? That I, I don't know if I was taking into account, but, but that was, it was very much required. The tough thing for me was, was decision fatigue, Right. It was, where do I even start with the decisions? And then when I start those decisions, if I make this decision, there was three others that followed. And what I knew could happen is that it would be very easy for me to, to kind of kick the can down the road another week and another week and another week. And, and lo and behold, now we're in May and we maybe are missing what our opportunity is. And so I reached a point where I was like, I just need to make some decisions. And one of the decisions was, are we going to do things? individually as offices or are we going to go more the division route right and so to to kind of answer a little bit of your question of like what were some of the things that we adapted or leaned into one of them was the idea of hey we're going to kind of treat this as one big office if we're doing things virtually you know why not do this as as one larger office because i know that i'm going to show up in a time of crisis and pandemic uh, much more confidently than what a new manager is going to show up and so Every time that I'm talking to reps in training or assistant man- managers, my DMs are hearing that right over and over and over again to the point where, you know, I'd like to think that it was somewhat indoctrinated of like, yes, this is the best time to be in vector before the numbers necessarily showed that it was. Yeah. So one of the first keys was uh, combining up for training the new reps. Mm-hmm. Right. I, I yep. feel like th- th- this, that's such an important thing that you did right there because I think that most people intuitively could grasp that our uh, recruiting was going to go up. Mm-hmm. I think everybody sort of saw that and knew like that was going to happen. But I do think a lot of people had the mindset of, well, if my recruiting doubles and my productivity is half of what it once was. Well, I could at least tread water. Mm-hmm. And I think that many people were making the case for why PPR productivity per rep would go down. I love where you talked about, you know, you could argue for either thing. And it made me think about a, a quote that I can remember from vector legend, Rick Castro, where he said, if you argue for your limitations, you get to keep them. <laughs> and, great. you know, a lot of people were arguing for limitations during that time, whereas you were not, right? You knew recruiting was going to go up and you knew that if you took charge of the training throughout your entire division, mm-hmm. that you'd be a lot more in control of the productivity per rep, not just in your own office, but in every office yeah. that you ran. How many offices were in North Star this year? We had 15. Okay. So it's 15 offices that you were training for. What were, uh, what were some other applications of the, of the uh, innovations throughout the division? Yeah. And one more thing to pile on to the other. I think that the viewpoint that I chose as I was making those decisions was to say, if I knew that this 
pandemic were changing Cutco for the better, what decisions would I make? Mm-hmm. So it wasn't necessarily, okay, let me put a Band-Aid on it. It was, hey, if this lasts for a long time, what are the, what are the, you know, what decisions would I be making? And so I felt like I was able to make decisions and operate from a place of abundance mm-hmm. of, this is going to be better. And I, and I didn't necessarily know why. I just knew that if I was operating from the opposite place, I probably would, would you know, not be producing the same results that I could. So you saw that we could, we could be at the cusp of you know, new permanent innovation and change in the business? Yeah. And part of that was I knew like the, the virtual demo, the virtual, like we've done everything virtually, right? And there are certain individuals that have been really able to make it, make it run like Damien and, you know, in San Marcos office uh, has done a phenomenal job with a lot of that stuff. But what's limited us is that we haven't had, nothing has forced all of, you know, let's say take the, you know, Damien is a top manager, but, but nothing has forced, let's say a group of 30 top managers to all adopt a, a virtual program and say, we're going to run with it. And now we didn't have a choice. And, you know, we've got so many great people in Vector that if everybody is, is charging at a, like, it's going to get figured out. And, Mm -hmm. and, and, you know, with how much is done online and how much business is done over Amazon and all that, you know, I was just like anybody else that had been holding on to these old outdated beliefs of like, somebody has got to get a piece of Cutco in their hands to really believe. No, they don't. They don't, you know, nobody touches anything before they buy it anymore. And so I don't, I would have never chose, like, that's a tough flip to say everything we do in office, we're just going to go online. And so I think our business needed that. Uh, I also don't think it ever would have happened unless something like this took place. I know when you talk about Damien, if there's one great manager doing something in the company, it's very easy for people to go, mm-hmm. well, that's just him. Yeah. You know, absolutely. Or and, that's and people tried it. People try to implement what he teaches and they try it in kind of a half ass way. They don't fully commit. Right. But when you get all of the company's most brilliant mm-hmm. minds trying to innovate something and they're fully committed to making it work, you have to be committed. Mm-hmm. We had to be committed at that point. It was amazing how quickly the success came. Uh, the recruiting aspect, I feel like that was pretty easy to switch, right? To to go to running interviews yep. via Zoom or you know what became Apex that we the system we built training via Zoom. You know there was a lot of innovations that had to happen pretty quickly to make it work, and then getting reps to succeed doing their demos completely virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, you know there were things that we had to certainly uh, be able to figure out to make it work, but it with it literally within five weeks. It was yeah. working and working well. Yep. And it, what it was, it's the commitment to it. I hate, I absolutely hate innovating, right? Like you look at my, you know, in Vector, we talk about CVI scores. I'm so low in that category. It drains the energy from me. I really, it, it, I'm, a, I'd much rather execute something than, than innovate on something. So what was great with this is that. You know, I, I would say my commitment to getting results far outweighed my dis my dislike for innovation, and mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what like why we were able to flip our entire company's programs in five weeks is that we just didn't have a choice. It was the whole, you know, Cortez boat burning, right? It was you could sit and sit in your office and wait for people to show up, but it's not going to happen for a few months at a minimum, right? right? What you just said about your commitment to getting results, I think that's a key part of what makes you great is that you were going to get results no matter what it took. You would find the way to get there. You would keep working at it until it clicked and it went well. 
And I don't know that everybody has that same mindset. I think a lot of people have a mindset of like, oh, I'll, I'll, I'll do it if it works or I'll do it if it's easy. Mm-hmm. Right. Whereas you had a full on commitment to getting results no matter what. And I think that's an instructive thing that people can learn from. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think also in, in leadership role, a lot of that motivation comes from, I need to have answers for my people. Right. And, and it's, so it's not just me trying to, you know, make it work for my office, but I had to have answers and I, I didn't feel comfortable as a DVM just being like, well, you know, <laughs> sorry guys, I don't I think we're just going to, you know, sit around for a couple of months. Right. It's like we could, we couldn't afford to have a miss on the summer. Yeah, exactly. What do you view as some of the high points of this past year? Yeah. I mean, this, this last year I can think of, uh, I can think of my first all virtual training. We had a 10K fast start in that first group. Seth Koretsky, I'll forever remember this guy's name. He did 56 appointments in 10 days. I don't know if I've ever had a fast starter do that. And he was in full-time classes. Uh, and I, that was an aha moment for me. That was So it took me one training before I was able to really sell myself on why PPR would actually go up, which it did in our division. And it was... They can do more demos. It's easier. People are like, we had metrics on calls to booked, right? Like, that was a very uh, high point for me. Uh, of I remember where I was at taking his phone call uh, when he hit 10K, and I was like, man, this is this is it. Like, we're gonna we're gonna have a lot, and we did. We had more 10K fast starters than we've ever had this summer, and and it started earlier, right? We had 32 as a division. I've never had that many. I don't even know if I've had more than probably 17 or 18 in the summer. And that number is for the division, but. Uh, Thir- so this, 32 10k fast starters yeah that's what and, we had and these were, were every single one of those trained by you yeah yeah i did all the training from march through uh march through most of july so yeah awesome yeah awesome what, what else are you know the, the 10k fast start thing too is it's just like they're everybody's getting trained in the pilot now yeah right and now the difference is their am that used to be a 18 19 20 year old am is now a branch or a dm mm-hmm. Right. So they're getting better coaching. They're getting better training. And so their all around experience is far greater than, than what the average representative's experience was prior to. Yeah. And, and I've always been a firm believer also of, you know, if we can, if we can ensure that the representative's experience is, is great here, then that improves every other position. AMs have a better job, right? And not just job, better job satisfaction. Same with branch managers, district managers and myself. Right. So right. that's kind of the token you know, job of ours is to make sure that they have a great experience. Yeah. So you took hold of the foundational element of success in your division. That's uh that's really cool. Yep. Uh, what were some uh, more high points? Yeah. Another, another one was our kickoff to SC one. We, we went with a, again, an all, well, I would say April, April, we were achieving numbers that I had, you know, I'd be excited about in June. Right. And, and so that the whole month was a high point of just like, Hey, we don't even know what, there's a lot we don't know yet, but look at what's happening. And we had branches that weren't open, but we were allowing them to recruit and just throw somebody into training in our training because you know it wasn't taking them the time to do it. And so we had some branches that had 10k fast starters before, like you know, just it, it, the, the the feel within the division was we're totally onto something right now, and it's a very special time. And so that that felt great. Another high point was our SC1 kickoff. We didn't, you know, never done this before. We decided to do an all division phone jam. I kicked it off. I remember we had like 150 people on there phoning. And, uh, and, you know, again, it was one of those, I think this will work. And then when we did it, it was like, wow, this is amazing. And, uh, you know, we had our largest week, I think, of my career 
uh, the first week of SC1, we did $330,000, almost all new business. And that was another high moment. And, and a lot of these were high moments because as it was happening, like I, I kicked that off, I did that, but I did it from home. And then, you know, 30 seconds later, I was with my kids. And so there was this really interesting, I've never experienced a vector like this before that got me really excited about, you know, maybe being able to, to grind at it, but actually not in the same way that it required or that I looked at it before. And I think that it was, you know, we did more business than we've ever done before. And at the same time, I was with my kids more than I've ever, and my, my wife more than I've ever been in a vector summer before. Mm. Right. And, and that felt, that felt uh, like, you know, all of the years that I have been here. And if it's culminated to that point, I was like, this is, this is, uh, this is great. I could do this for a very long time. Yeah. Awesome. And then there's so many throughout the summer. I'd say my last one was our dreams retreat. Same deal. We kind of took a, uh, this is our third year, third or fourth year doing our dreams retreat. So instead of the end of the summer, kind of like business conference, conference champions or SC3 as it used to be called three years ago, I think it was, we, we switched ours to being a dreams retreat. And so our, you know, the culture within our division is the North Star Dream Team. And so at that event, there's, there's no business talk whatsoever. And it is the sole purpose of that is to help people create their dreams list and then take action on it. And it's really the last couple of years has been a, like kind of an iconic event for our division. Our people love it. And so I, you know, kind of tested the waters and took people's temperature of like, Hey, if it were in, if we had an in-person event, would you go? And so we kind of took a shot in the dark and, uh, found a park. We had to go across state lines to Wisconsin because you could have more people in a group than, than in Minnesota. And, and I said, look, you know, it is going to be outside. It's normally overnight. It's going to be outside at a park. We've got a bunch of picnic tables and, you know, you can stay as spaced out as you want. You can wear a mask if you want, like do whatever you feel. If, if you want to come and be 12 feet from people, but you you want to come, go for it. And then I, I, you know, I sent a video, like nobody shakes hands, no high fives. Like, let's try and make this comfortable for everybody. And we had over 60 people show up. I was shocked that, you know, we had people driving hours and hours to get there. And, uh, and it was really, it was really, it was the first time that everybody was really together. Right. Yeah. This is all your managers, a lot of your top reps, and a handful of like new reps as well. Yeah, a lot of new reps, all 15 of the offices, right? So every manager, and then they're mainly they're like any assistants, they're top new reps. And then we had some CSPs that, that also came. Yeah, that's cool. Yeah. T- tell me more about what goes on at this thing. So the Dreams Retreat is uh, that's the place at which we get people to create their dreams list. It's a kind of a process that we take them through. So we introduce the concept to them. Uh, we kind of get them in a certain place of mind, uh, a place of, you know, kind of operating from abundance and anything is possible. And, and uh, they also need to be kind of in a place of vulnerability to go through it. And then I lead them through an exercise that is a lot of like, you know, we call it dream storming, but they're basically like everybody's pen to paper or at this, this year it was pen to paper because we didn't really have Wi-Fi or anything. Uh, and everybody's, you know, creating their lists. I'm taking them through different categories. And most people will finish that with about 100 to 200 dreams on their list. Mm-hmm. And anything from categories of like, you know, adventure, travel, material things, career things, family, faith, you know, uh, health, uh, all sorts of different things. And so we do that. We take a break. Then we do sharing, which is really cool. So they all go around in small groups and they kind of identify the ones that they want to share. So there's where we encourage dream stealing, right? So you hear something great from somebody else. So that's, that's really a mechanism to 
get them to open up, but also to get them to um, increase the size of their list. So they're, they're writing more down and they have a ton of fun doing that. And then we take a break, more food fun, that kind of stuff. And then the last portion, which we didn't do years ago, and we started doing these last three years, which is planning. So the last, the third of three sections of this, they'll actually look at their list and they'll identify in the next year, what are the six to 10 dreams that they're able to try and go after? And then they actually take action. So, you know, it kind of depends on their situation, but sometimes it's, hey, I want to run a marathon and we'll actually, you know, some people will go as far as to like book and register right there on the spot. I had one, you know, uh, 18 year old uh, this summer, I guess he was 19 at the time, open up a Roth IRA online and max it out with $6,000. But, you know, it's just like stuff like that. So the energy in the room is awesome. And then everybody shares the one thing that they're going to do when they leave. And, uh, and that kind of sets us on a course for that next 12 months. Oh, that's amazing. How do you continue to leverage this? Uh, with your people afterwards, so it's it's interesting because it's you know we've been doing this for a few years now, so the 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 leaders within the organization are all in on this, and so they're kind of like the you know it's the whole be the change you wish to see, right? So the, like the DMs are living it, the branches are living it, our CSPs are living it, and so they're the people that are most excited about the next year's dreams retreat. And so when we're at the event, I'm able to recognize them. Uh, they all are you know working on their lists throughout their year. And then uh, leadership academies, for instance, we just had ours uh, last week. And my opening comments, I went through, I think we had a list of 15 different dreams from people in TLA in leadership academy on dreams that were accomplished in the last two months. And so that does what that does is keeps it front of mind, right? They get recognized. There's no shame if you didn't do anything. But it's inspiring. I'm inspired, right? When I hear those things and it's just like, this is, you know, even for me, it's great. I'm, I'm the leader of our organization, but I'm also like, man, this is, this is a kick butt group of people. Yeah. And so at, at each event, you're spotlighting those people who achieved one or two of their list <laughs> since the last event. Yeah. And you're either recognizing them or I, I assume sometimes you let them talk about it in front of the group like that that's an emotional moment right there for somebody mm-hmm. to share about hey you know for 5 years i've had this dream and i never mm-hmm. really committed to it until we had this exercise in august and i put it down and you know here we are in october and i i i've done it like that's awesome that's amazing yeah and and what also happens with this and you know in a perfect world we would do this at every single one and it's probably it's not everyone that we that we recognize it's probably you know, every other or something like that. But we also operate with different groups, right? I have TLA and the DMs, I have the, you know, CSPs and and I do it individually with them. So in other words, our DM retreat, we typically will go over their dreams list. Our CSP annual retreat, we go over their dreams list. And so each group is is working on their own stuff. And what what happens, the bonds that are created within the workplace are also stronger because, you know, even just them sharing what's on their dreams list. I bet you, you know, most of them bet you their best friends don't know the stuff that the, you know, coworker over here, the assistant manager or the branch manager knows about them. And uh, that there's a lot of power, not that it's a contest, but there's a lot of power to that, right? Of like, this is the group that helps move me forward towards, towards that. And what I've seen with this, and, and this is really what, you know, when I started with the dreams thing eight years ago, I don't think I really, 
I didn't have a grand plan, right? It wasn't like, oh yeah, and then we're going to do these retreats. And it's just kind of evolved as we've gone through it. And what it's really come to be is this whole, if I get somebody really focused on trying to live the life of their dreams, they can't do that without bettering themselves. They can't do that without growing, without achieving, without moving forward. So if they're doing that and they just happen to work here for a certain part of that, that's a pretty awesome performer. Right. And so it's almost this like, hey, if I can have somebody who's on fire for a certain period of time while they're working here, I'm going to be lucky to have them for that period. Hmm. Right. And so it's not, this is what we do at work. It's like, hey, we're trying to create great, you know, people going after their dreams for their lives and, and we just get them for a little bit of time here. Yeah. So cool. As I'm listening to you, I'm thinking about it's one thing to get people to identify the dreams and make the list. It's another thing to actually get them to do those things. Yeah. And what are like what is the what's the next step you take in making sure that people are actually moving in the direction of something on their list? So it's it it happens a few different ways. The dream, like that dreams retreat, we used to do small ones. So the DM team, the CSP team. When we did those, we didn't necessarily do a lot of planning. When we started to do the dreams retreat, which was a two-day thing, that's when I we had more time, and that's when I started adding in the planning. That's really, to me, has been the kind of like the X factor for this thing to really give it more legs. And so they have that event, but this this whole culture thing that we have, it's opt in, right? In other words, hey, if you never accomplish your dream. No big deal. What I've noticed though is even just by attending that one thing, most people are going to get one or two things done that year. And if they show up again the next year, you know, we have them recap and look at it. And we say, hey, look, if you only got one or two things done, I bet that's more than what you accomplished the year before this, before you even put pen to paper. And so if you only got two done this last year, that's that's great. It's probably a really good year for most people, right? And how about you focus on three or four this year? So the onus, it, it's really put on them. Like You got to own this yourself. I'm not going to get your dreams done for you. I'd love to assist by keeping it front of mind, which is what we do. And then I also try and do their Christmas gifts or incentive money. right? Like I have... I don't have everybody's list. I've got my CSP's lists. I've got my DM's lists. And so you know, come Christmas time, I'm like looking through people's lists to be like, that's what they get. Right? And so you know, the gifts are more meaningful. The and it, and again, that just reinforces the dreams culture. And then I also have to live it, right? Like I have to do it, and I have to do it out loud. So when we get dreams done in our household, I'm I'm vocal about it within the division. Yeah, that's cool. You said something about they can't do it without bettering themselves, and so it would seem that this process also leads to everyone having a culture of personal growth mm-hmm. and you know constantly doing things that are working on their themselves and their skills and their mindset and all those things as well. Yeah, I think you know, personal growth, the, a focus of personal growth, that's what that's what we want. What I have found that the dreams thing has done is taken this conversation about personal growth and it's given it a destination. So now it's mm-hmm. not just like, hey, you should be into personal growth, you should do this. It's like, let's talk mm-hmm. about this kick butt list of things that would probably light up your life if you got to do these. And then, hey, the road to that is only going to go through personal growth. And so I feel like this has gotten a lot of traction because it's it's maybe elevated the the conversation of personal growth to have a little bit more purpose and meaning behind it for them other than just, I want to grow, right? I want to grow so I do more CPO. That's where I was for a lot of you know time. But now it's like, it's not even about the CPO. 
if it is about CPO, it's because that CPO can get me to X, Y, or Z. That's on my dreams list, right? Yeah. And that's really, I had a CSP that looked at this year. I was asking him, I was gathering some, some highlights. And he said, you know, the, the blessing of this year has been, I've gotten more things done on my dreams list than I ever would have thought. Right. So instead of sitting around twiddling his thumbs, you know, waiting for things to open up, he was checking things off his dreams list. And so this wasn't a time of aggression for him. It was actually a time that he really expanded. Uh, and I think that that's, there's a lot of things that I didn't set out for with this that I wasn't like, oh, yeah, but have just been cool side effects of, of the culture that we've got. Yeah. Really awesome. While you're having people create their dreams list, Take the time to get to know their CVI, or Core Values Index. If you've ever heard someone in Vector use the terms builder, merchant, innovator, or banker, that's from CVI, which is the most reliable personality assessment ever created. I've arranged for our listeners to get a free CVI assessment by visiting erep.com slash e slash dc. It takes less than 10 minutes to complete, and you'll get your results immediately. Go to erep.com slash e slash dc to take your free CVI test. Now, let's hear about some of Dane Espigard's dreams and his vision for the future. I want to hear about some of your dreams, Dane, as you look at 2021 or beyond uh, what are some of your goals? Yeah, I mean, I've got a lot of them. We have we have an abundance of travel things that are on our list right now that are maybe taking a little bit of a little bit of a backseat due to uh, some things out of our control. Um, but we've got you know there's there's a lot of family ones. Our kids are are four and two right now, and so we've got a lot of things with them. And, and some of the things that are on the dreams list aren't a check it off the list type of thing, but they're like a way that we want to live. Mm-hmm. Right or a way that we want to be or or exemplify for our girls and and so uh, those are things that are on the list that are very top of mind right now. My wife is a hundred percent into horses. That has happened also due to COVID. There's a horse place right down the road, and so we we have uh, purchased a horse, which was on her dreams list, and a small nice. pony, a miniature pony named Smalls. Nice. Uh, that. Uh, this summer. So my girls also, if you were to ask them about dreams, they'll say horses, 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 and horses. Uh, so that's, that's basically what, what occupies most of their, uh, most of their time. Me personally, 2021, you know, when, when I think about 2021 in Vector, I, I think that there's just, we're at such a unique uh, spot. I think that I have forever, you know, the first time I ever made my dreams list was in 2007 when Matthew Kelly spoke. To at SLC, and I put that thing away. I didn't look at it for I don't know four years or something like that. And I, you know, was going through my computer as I was transitioning to another computer, and I was looking through all the things, and I was like, oh yeah, I should pull this thing back out. And I had on there run my first million dollar office, run my first two million dollar office. I didn't, you know, three million didn't occur to me at that point in two thousand seven. I had become a DVM by a certain age, and it was cool to be able to see the things that I had done during that four year span. And then since then, I've added division ones. And the top division one that I've had on there has been uh, have a $10 million year as a division. I know that you know that's kind of an elite accomplishment that's ever happened in Vector. And it's, it has happened, I think, three times, or I could be a little off on, on that. But I love the way that the business is right now. And the, the roadmap to a $10 million division isn't 40 offices. 
right? Mm-hmm. But it's it is. I feel like it's a healthier roadmap to that, and I and that's an organization I'm really excited about. That's kind of been my vision of how I want our division to be. I think that's within grasp, if not in 2021 and 2022. I'm pretty bullish on a lot of the programs. I just think about this last year. It's like there was so much we didn't know and we were guessing and it was our first time around and and we got a lot of wins. And I, I just I don't see how this next year doing the same programs that we're not, you know, hitting home runs or or at least doubles and triples this um this coming summer with uh with those programs or even this spring with those programs. Yeah. Awesome. It's going to be cool to see how your office and division evolve with your office doing three and a half million with, you know, CSPs having had a lot of their shows, you know, mm-hmm. evaporate this year. I mean, four million for your office looks like a really good chance of happening in 2021. Yeah, I, I think so. My CSPs and, and my pilot are really excited about that, the potential of that. But yeah, I think, I think some of that's out of our control, right? Where it's, you know, some of it's a little bit dependent on what happens with some events and that type of thing. So we're just, we're trying to, to grow our recruiting and, and that's really what we're working on. We've got, I think the productivity thing's really dialed up. Yeah. You know, you shared about, you know, you have a lot of travel things that are on your dreams list. And of course, those will all come back into play here in due time. Um, I keep a dreams list of travel as well. And I, I have two lists. One of them is what I call my North America list. It's basically... Mm-hmm places I want to go into in the U.S. and I throw some Canadian uh, places in there as well that I haven't been. Like Montreal and Quebec have been high on that Mm -hmm. list. And then I have what I call my international list, which is basically outside of U.S. and Canada. And and the very top of my international list for about, I'm going to say, five to seven years now has been Australia and New Zealand. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And when we announced that, you know, we were going to be able to do that trip as a company... Oh man, I was so stoked. Like, yeah. I was just so fired up. It's amazing. Same. I also, that, that's been on my list for a long time. And, and I've been able to, the one long, long flight I've ever taken has been to Southeast Asia. And, uh, and so I've, you know, Australia, New Zealand, I figured at some point we would, if it wasn't a Cutco thing, my family, we'd go do something there. And so when they announced that I was, it, it also, the timing of it's so great. We had so many people qualify this summer from our division. We're going to have more this next year. So many CSPs. So I really, I also see that as a culmination of like, this will be one of the, the first ever trip that I'll have all sides of the business together, you know, for a big North Star party, which I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Amazing. As you consider uh, your goals and the things you want to achieve in 2021, is there anything from this past year that you wish you had done more of? I don't know if there's a lot. I feel like uh, it's been, we have enjoyed the forced extra time with family. Uh, That's been a really big positive. I wish I would have seen people in person more. You know, Mm -hmm. I I don't think that's something I would have done different as much as just you know, wish that would have been more. I also, I wish, I feel like when the, when the lock-in stuff was, was going down at first, we were a lot more purposeful with making sure that we were getting Zoom time with family. And then we maybe didn't do quite as much of that. I don't know if it was due to Zoom fatigue, but uh, we didn't do quite as much of that, you know, let's say the, the third quarter of the year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that'd probably be it. I mean, I think the rest of it, I was pretty pretty satisfied with yeah i think it's a good reminder that in-person interactions matter there's a different level of commitment that you show to somebody when you're you know even if it's driving a half hour to go see them Mm -hmm. it's just it's different and it it builds the relationships i think in a way that 
Zoom doesn't necessarily do. And I do feel like the streamlining of our business with Zoom is going to be awesome in so many ways, as long as we also keep in, in sight that we are a people business right? and that leveraging our personal power is a really important key to success in building relationships. Uh, is there anything you wish you did less of? Yeah, probably just be on Zoom. <laughs> right? I mean, probably that w- was is it, you know. I-, I totally agree with the whole reminding that we're people business. You know, we've tried to we've worked in little, you know, have my off- office staff out to my house, have my, you know, like little things like that that we've been able to to do that I think have made it made a world of difference. And we've got some things coming up over the holidays that we're going to do also. And and I'm excited for when we have all the Zoom stuff figured out and we're also able to do more of that. I think that's going to be a home run, right? Yeah. To be able to have both sides of that. Exactly. Exactly. And beyond your office and division, Dane, what do you see happening in the company in the next five years? Yeah, that's that's an exciting exciting question. I think, you know, I've, I've been in Cutco for 18 years. So, you know, one of the things that you know, the verbiage I use, I, I say I'm, I'm pot committed, you know, like when all this went down, it was, I, I'm not planning on going anywhere anytime soon. So I, we had to find answers, right. Of how we were going to do the business. And so I really, I can confidently say that this is the most exciting time that I've ever seen in, in Vector. You know, I can think of exciting times. I've never seen anything like this. And there's been people obviously in Vector like yourself that have been here longer. And, and I've, I've heard that echoed from a lot of people. And so you know, what do I, what do I see? I, I'm excited about recruiting for, for the foreseeable future. You know, who knows how long we'll have this amazing wave right now, but the innovations that have, that have come from and the programs that have come out of it so far, those will take us further. You know, we've got this natural environment thing that's happening with, with the pandemic and unemployment of, of the age group that we typically will recruit and those things obviously impacting us. If that goes away, I'm still excited because we have a virtual job that offers students such a unique, even so much more unique of an opportunity than what we had before. Our product of the job is better than what it's ever been. And, uh, and so I'm really excited about that. I think that uh, we're just on the tip of the iceberg with a lot of the programs in terms of using some technology things, even some of the different apps that we're creating. I think those things are going to streamline things and make it a little bit easier to keep, you know, to have your finger on the pulse of different sides of the business. I also feel that the talent that we are developing right now in our business and the talent that is yet to be introduced to us this coming year in 2021, you know, it's like that's the that's the wave that lasts a lot longer than a little uptick in in what we're experiencing right now. And so when I mm-hmm. think about the next 5 years, I mean I think 5 to 10 years, I think we're just, I think a, a, the managers that are fully committed to, I gotta, you know, I gotta work this as much as I can right now while things, you know, not sit back, kick my feet up because things are coming in really nicely, but actually really attack it. I think that that wave is gonna then be, you know, pushed even further. Uh, down down the road in, in a positive way. So I'm I'm just I'm really excited. I already have, you know, the best group of people I've ever had around me, and uh, and that just gives me more energy to dive into the business, to to be engaged, to grow it even more. Yeah, you said a few things there that I think are are, are worth expounding upon. One is the idea that even when the economic tide changes and the job market changes what we have developed right now with a virtual work opportunity 
where students can literally be sitting in their dorm room working with customers across the country and take that job with them wherever they go, whether they travel mm-hmm. home or they go somewhere else, or even like a kid that goes and studies abroad for a yeah. semester can still sell Cutco and work with us. That puts us nicely positioned with the best opportunity for students, which we already thought we had, but it's just even more so the best opportunity for students. And one of the programs that has sort of gone dormant over this last one year has been a a really robust campus recruiting effort because, you know, a lot of our students weren't there and, you know, we weren't really making the same efforts. And like, as that can come back, and the students can be fully aware of what we have available. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that we can maintain great recruiting even when the market conditions kind of turn back towards uh, you know what you'd call normal. And then you also said about like the the increased development that's happening. Just if you think about it mathematically, if there's a fifty percent increase in recruiting, we're probably going to have fifty percent more yep. people that make it into our management funnel that become yep. managers and leaders with us. And that just creates more and more opportunities to have amazing success stories all throughout the country. The Paige Webbers and the Kyle Lopes and all the great stories that we have from 2020. There's going to be more of those as we go into 2021 and beyond. And it's just going to create a greater environment all across the entire company in much stronger and greater divisions and regions Mm -hmm. uh, as well. So we're at the cusp of something really awesome, man. I'm fired up. And the other change too, I I think that the position, the district and division manager position is more attractive than it's ever been for those with a family. Mm -hmm. You know, and I think that that's such an important thing because there's no need to say, okay, well, you know, hey, I'm not not interested as much in in the grind of the long hours that some managers kind of assume the DM or DVM position. It's so much more conducive to a, you know, or relatable to that nine to five that somebody would think of, right? Yeah. There's some benefits that I think that we're going to see there in terms of retention. And we all know that, you know, the difference between a first year district manager and a third or fourth is, is unbelievable, right? Just having that time to develop their skills. And so I think we're going to have a lot more managers that reach not just the three year, four year, five year mark, but the eight to 10 year mark. And, mm-hmm. you know, what they're able to develop for themselves within the business, I think is going to be pretty exciting. Exactly. And, and Dane, how do you want to, to be on the front end of all that growth and achievement? For me, I think the, the key is staying really nimble, right? So again, it's, it's the, you know, I heard you say the quote once, uh, and then I, as I was reading a book recently, I, I heard the quote in the book as well. So I think they probably got it from you, but it was the, uh, you know, strong opinions held loosely, mm-hmm. right? And, and that's what, you know, that's why I feel like we're at where we need to be at right now with the business is that, hey, you know, have a lot of conviction in your program, but keep your ear to the road, right? And, uh, or you're in the wind, if you will. And what else is going on out there? And that's what's beautiful about our company is that we've just we've got such a such a culture of sharing of you know, hey, this is working, and and how fast that can get to other parts of the company. It's like that's where I want to be. That's why I share right all the stuff that we have going on because you know that's the organization that I want to be in. Where it's like, hey, if somebody's got a hot hand, a hot program with something, it's like, hey, let's share it. And let's, you know, with video and Zoom, and it's so much easier to record things for people to learn quickly. So for me, it's it's promoting the level of engagement that's necessary right now. And also the mindset of it's okay to, to not know what we're doing. It's, it's a totally okay place to be to, to not know exactly the, the perfect way to do something. You know, I, I feel like 
I'm living the progress, not perfection, that this is a mistake-making place that I've said in training for years. This has never been more true than, than right now. And, uh, and so that's, for me, those are the things that I think if, if I keep those in mind, that will stay, you know, growing and, and on top of this thing. Yeah, I love that concept of living the idea of progress, not perfection. I also, Dane, feel like there's been no one more sharing and giving of information and knowledge and tactics and strategy than you throughout this past year. The way you have shown up has made a difference, not just in your own organization, not just in the central region, but really for the whole company. Uh, I want to personally thank you for the strength with which you showed up and the way you've led. And it's great to see you having such amazing success. And I know it's just the tip of the iceberg for what lies ahead for you as we move forward, man. So kudos and congrats and thank you. You bet. My pleasure. All right. See you later. All right. Talk to you soon. Dane, it's Begard, everyone. We talked about the idea of certainty versus uncertainty. And at any time of challenge, when there is a level of uncertainty, the idea of progress over perfection really resonates for me. And not worrying about being perfect, but just worrying about moving the ball down the field. Mindset is a big key to that. What are you arguing for? Are you arguing for your limitations? Well, then you get to keep them. Or are you arguing for possibilities? Because if you do, then you're opening the doors to be able to achieve them. I love the dreams exercise that Dane engages in with his people, starting with the concept of abundance, that anything is possible, vulnerability and willing to risk looking the fool as you share something with others, or you put something on a piece of paper that you don't even know if you can do or not but that you're opening up the possibilities by writing it down on your paper. Dreamstorming, the different categories of life, different categories of dreams you could have to be able to write down a a lengthy list, sharing with other people, again, being vulnerable in that way. Dream stealing, Dane shared, which is you hear other people share stuff and you're like, oh, that sounds great. Yeah, I'm putting that on my list too. That's awesome. And then, of course, planning and identifying what are these six to 10 key things that I'm going to achieve this year. And then, of course, taking action to move toward those things. That means knocking out the first steps. That also means continuing to evolve into the kind of person who's capable of achieving those goals. And I love what Dane said, that dreams give your personal growth process a destination. Right. So we're not just reading and learning and growing so that we can be a better human, but there's this destination of what are we going to actually achieve from this? What are the dreams we're going to achieve? Such great stuff. Dane Espigard walks his talk, everyone. He lives these concepts, the dreams mentality. He lives the concept of progress over perfection. He lives the concept of the right mindset in tackling any challenge and looking at and viewing his possibilities. That is how he lives his life. It's why he's become so amazing, both in and out of the vector business. He's a great example that any of us can follow uh, and become more like as we evolve as humans. I really enjoyed being able to feature Dane here and hope you got a lot out of this as well. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode of Changing Lives, Selling Knives, please consider rating or reviewing us on your podcast player. 
and hit the subscribe button so future episodes are automatically downloaded directly to your device. For access to guest bios, show notes, and other resources, visit changinglivespodcast.com. You can sign up there to receive valuable resources for free from people featured on the podcast. This is Dan Cassetta signing off. We'll be back in a few days for our next story about changing lives.